So we're talking about godly leadership. And the thing that, that's coming from me is that, see, I think sometimes, too, that we have this, I don't know if you're like me, sometimes I get a little bit uneasy about the word leadership. I know that leadership is vital in a church, in any group of people gathered together, but I've had some bad experiences. Maybe you have had some bad experiences with leadership. Raise your hand if you've had a bad experience with leadership in your job. Raise your hand if you've had a bad experience of leadership in your family. I would ask about bad leadership in the church, but we're not going to go there. (laughs) So we've all had our experience of bad leadership. A leadership that's hurtful, leadership that leads the wrong direction. So for us, it's important for us to talk about or to think about, to spend time on committing to cultivating godly leadership here in our church. See, oftentimes when we have bad experiences with leaders, it's like we tend to, and at least I do, and I think maybe this is common for a lot of you, we tend to think of them and us. <clears throat> Those leaders and us who are following. The things that they're doing wrong and the problems it causes us. What I'm realizing as I've been reading scripture this week and thinking about leadership is that actually, when we talk about a church, at very least, when we talk about a church, there is no them and us. There's just us. That leaders... And the people who are following them have equal responsibility for us cultivating a culture of godly leadership here. We all have a part to play in this. So, as it says there at the top, godly leadership, it's up to all of us. See, sometimes we think we need really great leaders who will go and lead and do amazing things for us. I'm saying that actually as I read scripture, there are places where that happens, but as I read about the New Testament church, that they had leaders, it was, it was a community thing. Godly leadership was up to the whole church. And so I've, I was thinking about this some, and you know, what sort of image speaks leadership? And, and I came up with geese <laughs> flying in V formation. How many of this is your first thought when you think of leadership? How many people think of geese? <laughs> I know, I mean, usually we think of like this general barking out orders, you know, take that hill and all the soldiers follow him. Or we think of this amazing coach who leads this ragtag uh, bunch of, of, of women to the national championship. But geese. <laughs> geese flying in formation. This is for me as a powerful reminder for us that godly leadership, we're in it together. It's up to all of us. Do you know that geese flying in formation can actually fly 70% farther than a goose flying alone? So if you're talking like 100,000, or something, 100 kilometers in a day, a group of geese can go 170. That much for almost double. But it's interesting too, when, it's, when we talk about this in Vitality some, and that we, we were talking some about it yesterday, that if we, uh, we want to go fast, we go alone. If we want to go far, we need to go together. This image of geese flying in formation speaks that to me. It's interesting in how it works, and I, all I did was read it, so I'm, I'm just telling you what I've learned about geese and actually how when they flap their wings, it creates vortices that, prevent, that provide some upwash for the birds behind them that actually give them some lift. But not only that, but the first bird, as they're going through the air, they're going through um, um, uh, air that's, that's more dense because it hasn't been uh, stirred up. But when the, the goose flies through it, it, it creates turbulence and that sort of uh, decreases the density of the air, and the other geese behind them have less resistance. They can fly further. They're not working as hard. But it's interesting is that we think about this, that 
even to the upwash of the birds, actually even affects the birds in front. So even the leader gets some benefit from flying in the group. Not only in the fact that they can rotate out and switch and move back and take a rest while other, someone else leads, but also that even when they're leading, they get some help from the group. Now, I don't know if this is scientific. I don't know how you'd ever prove this, but I can't even think, like, when you hear them flying over you, they're always honking. I don't know. I, maybe it's just the, the optimist in me. I think maybe they're encouraging the leader. <laughs> they're encouraging each other. Come on, let's go. We can keep going. So there's this benefit of flying together, of leading together, that the, whole, the journey of the whole flock, uh, not just the leader, it's part of the whole flock together, that it's up to all of us. And I caught this as I was reading through <clears throat> Romans uh, chapter 12, where it talks about, Paul talks about the body and how each body has a part and a role. And leadership is just one of the roles. But we all have part of, an important part of the body to play, that we encourage leaders. So as we get into this, this idea of, of encouraging or us building godly leadership or cultivating godly leadership as a church, I hope you begin to see that it's up to all of us. So the place that I want to begin this morning is talking with godly leaders. We need godly leaders in our church. We need godly leaders in our family. We need godly leaders in our community, the jobs where you work, the clubs that you're a part of, So if you're leading, we need you to lead well. We need you to lead with character, with sound character. We need you to lead as godly leaders, people who are growing in your relationship with Jesus. As I've been thinking about this, the text that keeps coming to me is the words that Joshua heard. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore their forefathers to give to them. Be strong and courageous, Careful to keep the words of the law that you received from my servant Moses. Do not turn to the right or to the left, but be faithful in this. You will be successful wherever you go. Be careful to obey everything that's written in this book of the law. Meditate on it day and night so that you might be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged because the Lord is with you wherever you go. I say these words to those of you who are leading because leadership can be difficult. When we are leading well, that's when the resistance comes. That's when it's difficult. So I encourage you, those who are leading, to lead well, to be strong and courageous. But here's the interesting part. How many of you thought, oh, he must be talking about somebody else. I'm not leading. See, I want to challenge you that I believe most people, most of you sitting here are leaders. You are leaders in the the jobs where you work. You are leaders in the church through different ministries. Maybe it's not the spiritual life team. Maybe it's in the Sunday school. Maybe it's in a small group. Or maybe it's just with a friend whom you encourage. You are leaders, whether it's in your, in your job, in our community, in our church, in your families. I believe that almost, I believe all of you sitting here are leaders. Do you agree with me on this? 
Do you see what I'm talking about? How we each have a leadership role. Maybe it's not official, but each of you are leading. I think about how many of you have kids. How you led them when they were young and still, even when they're adults now, how you still are a leader in their lives. Maybe they don't listen to you, but (laughs) he's still a leader. See, I'm making this point to encourage us that leadership is, we're all involved in leadership. But it's important. If we're going to lead, it's important. It's vital that we lead well. That we lead out of character, out of a godly character. I'm talking, and I talk about character, I mean integrity. That our life matches up with the gospel. The things that we believe and what we tell people we believe, that it matches up with the way we live. I'm talking about integrity. I'm talking about being trustworthy. That people will see our lives and that they will trust us when we say we need to move or we need to to go this direction. We need to do these things. That we are trustworthy people. But also that we make sacrifices. That as leaders, as you and the ways that you lead, that you are willing to make sacrifices. You're looking for opportunities to set down your own stuff to take care of other people. To encourage them and to guide them. To be a servant as Jesus was a servant. Yesterday in our leadership discussion, we talked about some of the ways that Jesus led. One of the discussions that Dave was leading. Um, and we talked about one of the ones that came up a few times was washing Jesus, or Jesus when he washed the feet of the disciples. This idea of servant leadership. We need leaders who will serve. Because you are leaders, you owe it to those you are leading to be growing in your relationship with God. To be growing as leaders to be growing more faithful, to knowing Jesus better, but also knowing yourself better. Spending time understanding, why do I hack this way? Why do I do this? Why do I get angry when somebody says such and such? Why do I want to run away when when somebody challenges me? We need to understand ourselves better. We need to know God and ourselves better as leaders. So, you who are leading, which in my book is all of you, I want to encourage you to be godly leaders. To be godly men and women of character. Constantly growing in your relationship with God and knowing yourselves better. So as I talk about leadership, I also feel like we need to talk too about leadership myths. I was thinking about it this morning. These are some of the addictions we have around leaders as people. Some of the habits that we need to kick. Because it's interesting, like some of you might hear these things and you might be thinking, well, this is sort of obvious, but you know, you'd be surprised. As a people, as a church, we need to kick our habit of Lone Ranger leaders. We need people who will lead on a team, who will be team players. We need to encourage this in people who are in leadership roles in our church. When we are asked to be leaders, we need to be thinking in terms of team. We need to be team leaders. We need to constantly encourage this of our leaders. Because sometimes we want our leaders to be this, this lone ranger type who just do everything for us. But as a church, that's not what we need. We need leaders who are going to guide people. We need leaders who are going to equip and encourage people. To equip them with the resources they need and then to encourage them to do the job or to do the task that they've been asked to do. We need leaders who are going to speak honestly but constructively, in ways to build people up. We need leaders who are going to, 
who are going to uh, mentor people, to show them how to do things, how to lead a small group, how to have an honest conversation about God in their life. But then let them go and do it with other people to teach and then help them and encourage them to go. So we need to let go our idea of this rugged individual who does everything for us. It's like a bad habit that we need to kick. The other thing that we need to, the other myth or the other habit that we need to kick is the idea that leaders are here to solve our problems. That if we got something wrong, tell the guy in charge and have him fix it. Or tell the woman in charge and have her fix it. We need to kick that habit. We need leaders in our church, in our families, in our community. We need them focused on the mission or on the the vision that God has given them. The important thing that God has given them to do. Now that's not to say that we want them to ignore us. We still need help. But there's a difference with coming to a leader, someone who's leading you and saying, I need help with a problem I'm facing versus I've got this problem and I want to know what you're going to do about it. Do you hear the difference between those two? We need help with things to work out our own issues. But we need to kick the habit of having the idea that leaders are going to fix everything for us. So we need to to work around this this habit of having leaders do everything for us. But we also need to, to figure out this too. This idea that we call leaders here to help us grow. That we want leaders to help us grow as Christians, as people of faith, to grow in our impact of our community. We have to realize that with growth comes change. This is one of the interesting kind of unwritten contracts that happens between leaders and people who are following them. Oftentimes people say, we want you to come and help us grow, we just don't want you to change anything. We want you to come and make things amazing and help us, lead us into this and just don't change anything. You can see the bind that we create. But we need to let go of this. And it doesn't just happen in churches, it happens everywhere. I mean, think about businesses or places where you've worked, where, you, where there was a, a thing where people called in someone to come and help the organization move in a direction. And then when they started changing things, all the, all the defenses went up, all the things came grinding to a halt. Anybody had that experience yeah. in their job? Or about schools. When you call a teacher in to come and teach our kids... Help our kids do better at their, at their provincial exams. Help them do better in college, in university. And then they start saying, well, we need to change things. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not talking about changing anything. We just want you to help us. We don't want you to change anything. It's helpful for us as people, encouraging leaders, as a community cultivating godly leadership, for us to realize, or us to remember at very least, that growth comes with change. Change is part of growth. And this is not just change for the sake of change. This is change for the sake of growth. That growth is normal and natural. Growth is normal and natural of any group. See, the thing is, we as people, as groups of people, whether it's a church or maybe it's a corporation or a school or a small group, we get to a place where we kind of establish a status quo a place where we're comfortable, where we're satisfied. Things are going okay here. And so we start finding out ways, how can we solidify what we have so it doesn't go bad? We sort of carve these ruts that we know how to work in. I mean, I do this even in ministry. I mean, uh, there are times when I 
there are seasons where I get doing things and people say, do you realize that we do this every Sunday? I'm like, well, I guess, yeah, I do realize that, but because it was easy. <laughs> it was easier to do it that way. I just fill in blanks or I could send the same document. But we need to keep moving forward. That growth comes with change. Because we hit plateaus as groups. And we're not meant for plateaus, especially as the church. We're meant to rest at places, but also to keep seeing what God is calling us to. To keep listening. Like I've been listening for, for a while now. And I keep hearing uh, about our community. About our friends and our neighbors who don't know Christ yet. I had a guy from our community uh, came into my office. Doesn't, not a part of this church here. We had some conversations about faith. Not really interested. And he started talking about a friend that he had just lost who just died. And I could see how hard it was for him. We have people in our community who are struggling. We need to keep growing to help them. So we have these myths of leadership. You know, the idea that we want a rugged individual to go and do this for us. Or we want a leader who will always be there at our beck and call to help us fix our problems. We can just hand them off and they'll take care of them. Or the idea that we can grow without changing. We, we have to kick these bad habits. But you see, as I've been talking about this, hopefully you've picked, on, picked up on this, that, that I'm not just talking about leaders, I'm talking about all of us in this, those who are following leaders as well. And it reminds me of this, um, this message from Paul. It's literally where he talks about the body. See, in our, in our world, we tend to hang things on leaders, if things are going great, if, this, if things are going great in the organization or the church or the small group or the family, we say, you know, we have this awesome leader. They're doing amazing for us. And we applaud them and we give them tons of pats on the back. But when things start going wrong, when their leadership is bad, we hang it around their neck and we kick them overboard. We send them down the road. But as I start reading the New Testament about leaders in the church, the early church, I see this connection, this relationship between leaders and people who are following them. That each of us have responsibility. So if you would, let's read this together. Let's, um, let's read Romans chapter 12. So it says, By the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Do you see in this text this, this idea that we are part of one body? That we are part of this body together? That each of us have a role and a gift? Some of us, we've been gifted for leadership, specifically leadership positions in the church. But many of others have responsibility to encourage those leaders. 
The reason why I say this is because the quality of leadership is not just up to the leaders. It's up to the people being led as well. Let me say that again. The quality or the, the quality of leadership in a church, of godly leadership, it's not just up to the leaders. It's up to the people following the leaders as well. Let me explain it some more. So it's important for us as a whole church to be involved in, to be working at cultivating godly leadership in our church, in our community, in the jobs where you work, in the schools. It's up to all of us. The reason why I say this is because think about this. If you have a church, for example, that's filled with people who are... Um, Bitter. People who are selfish. People who are insecure about themselves and so they act out in all sorts of ways. People who are proud. You can't tell them anything. People who are greedy. The thing is, they're going to either get a leader who will acquiesce to that behavior or they're going to send them packing. It's hard for, for a leader who would say, who had great character in, in that place, it would be hard for them to do well. There would be so many places where the people would say, this is not what we want. We want you just to do what we say. We don't want you to actually lead anything. We just want you to do what we want you to do. They would either do that or they would go. Think about the opposite side of this, though. Think about a church where you had people. People who were gracious who weren't bitter, but they were gracious. People who weren't selfish, but they were servants of others. People who weren't arrogant and proud, but people who were humble. People who weren't insecure, but were secure in their identity, rooted as children of God. People who weren't greedy, but who were generous. Imagine what kind of leader this group of people would bring about. Even if they had a leader who wasn't quite there yet, they would constantly be encouraging him or her, raising the bar. They would call their leader to more. Do you see what I'm saying here? This connection with godly leadership is up to all of us. It's not just the leader's role. It's up to all of us. I say this because we realize that leadership, that we need to encourage our leaders, those who are leading officially and unofficially in our church, in our communities, in our jobs. Leaders need encouragement. I think about, again, I think about our church. <clears throat> Raise your hand if you've been ever been involved in leadership in our church. Worship leading, spiritual life team, Sunday school, nursery, anything. Raise your hand. I see some of you really. I know there's more of you. The point is this, is that we are all involved in leadership in this church. We've all been involved at one point or another. So it's interesting, as we start talking about bad leadership and stuff like that, in the beginning I was saying, you know, sometimes we start to think about us and them. I don't like what the leaders are doing. Or, but you begin to realize that there is no them. There's just us. But it's up to all of us to cultivate godly leadership. It's up to us to encourage the leaders who are serving now. It's up to us to encourage them to be men and women of character, growing in their relationship with Jesus. It's up to us to be encouraging them to do their job well and to do the vocation they've been called to well. It's up to us to speak honestly with them, to speak the truth in love 
to be constructive and say, you know, what you're doing, like I understand, like you think this works, but it's not working. Bless you. I know you're working hard. What could we do to, to make it better? Here's some ideas I have. We need to have honest conversations like this. And we need to trust leaders. Not to just blindly follow them, but to trust them. To express, you know, I, I think this is absolutely great and I want to jump right on board. Or even say, I'm not sure about this, but I'm going to trust you and see how it goes. I'll follow you the best that I can. You see, godly leadership in a church is not up to just the leaders. It's up to all of us. We all have a role to play in this. Are you beginning to see this connection with godly leadership that it's up to all of us? Are you beginning to see it? That like geese flying. If we go further together, if we want to go fast, go alone. But if we want to go far, go together. Work together. Cultivate leadership together. So I began to dream about what this would be like in our church. And trust me, we have great leaders already. But imagine if we started doing this even more. If all of us started pitching in to cultivating godly leaders in our church. Think about the fruit it would mean, the disciples that would begin to show up, the ways people's lives would be changed. And then it spilt out into our community. Whether you're leading on the Balfour Fire Department, or if you're leading on the, the Balfour Rec Commission, or in our schools, or in our clubs, in the places where you work, the places where you live. Imagine how things would begin to change if we started leading with character, cultivating other leaders in our community. Or think about our families. I think about this, about our children, about us raising up our kids or your grandkids, or even encouraging your adult children now in godly character and faith to be men and women who become godly leaders themselves. I get goosebumps as I think about this. So I don't want us to hear this message of godly leadership and just let it slip by. I want us to think about ways that we can integrate this in our life. So just, just for example, I want you to think of this week, this coming week, I want you to think of one leader. In our church, fine, out in, in, the, in the business where you work, or in our schools, or in our community, wherever. Think of one leader that you know of. At least one, maybe others if you want to. And begin praying for them. Pray for them at least for this week. Pray for them and look for an opportunity this week to encourage them. To encourage them in their character, or their walk with Jesus or if they're maybe not a Christian, encourage them in the job that they're doing. But we need to go and we need to start encouraging godly leadership, not just in our church, but in our community. Because godly leadership, whether it's in our church, our jobs, or our families, it's up to all of us. Amen?